everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth, and this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. I'm praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning on the radio, on Prayer House Radio, good morning on Facebook, good morning on YouTube or whenever you're catching up. Um, Great to see you guys and we're sauntering again. This time we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and so we're going to pray and welcome the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you as we look at your word this morning. We invite you to come and fill our hearts and fill our homes. Lord Jesus, we are looking for your miraculous power to be at work in our lives today in whatever way you want to move. We bless every church gathering today around the world and ask you, Lord, to come in power and visit your people today in Jesus' name. Amen. So good morning, Kathy. And today we're on um, chapter four of 1 Corinthians and the Apostle Paul. Hold on. Am I doing am I doing the stream? OK, I think so. I think it's working. Fabulous. Um, <clears throat> let me just check. Well, main. Yes. Good. Sorry, double checking. So he says, uh, here we go then. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the ministry of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. Um, So Paul is saying, let me just read on again a bit more. So he says, in fact, I do not even judge myself for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I'm not therefore I'm not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, I do not pronounce judgment before the appointed time or before the time before the Lord comes, who will bring the bring to light the things that now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart, then each one will receive his commendation from God. Right, so Paul's saying here, saying, listen, I'm a servant. I'm actually a steward in a house. So if you remember the story of uh, Joseph at the house of Potiphar, good morning, Chris and Ruth and Fran. When Joseph was at the house of Potiphar, he became the household kind of manager and he was in charge of everything he was in charge of all the other servants and Potiphar never really had to worry about anything except he wanted to have for breakfast and so Joseph was his go-to guy for everything and that was that's the idea here that Paul is 
um, kind of saying, he's saying, listen, I'm like the steward in a big house. I'm somebody who, yeah, sure, I manage other servants, but essentially I'm a servant myself. I'm somebody under authority. And he says, look, I judge myself. And, you know, I don't think that I've got any bad motives in me. I think my heart is clean before God. He said, but at the end of the day, I can have a clear conscience and be completely wrong and have a big blind spot to something. And I can, you know, but at this moment in time, I feel like my heart is clean and I'm, you know, I'm judging myself and... But, you know, I know that I'm looking at myself and kind of subjecting myself to the same criteria that I put for other people. But at the same time, it's God who judges me. And so just because I don't feel like there's any issues in my heart right now doesn't mean I'm completely off the hook. And so sometimes I think it's really possible for us to have um, to be going along acting in good conscience or so we believe and actually to have quite a big blind spot that maybe others can see but we can't see but certainly God can see it and there's a time when God turns his searching gaze onto our hearts and he says right this has got to change Paul or whoever and I remember there was a time when we were doing some work on um, healing the brokenhearted and so on and kind of looking at the judgments and issues that we had going on in our lives and I thought no I'm good I don't have any of this stuff going on and you know what God began to shine his light in and I thought my goodness and I saw a host of issues that I needed to repent of of past judgments and things against people and so God comes and he turns his when he turns his gaze upon those things in us, we it, that's the time to shut up and just say, God, I am so sorry and I repent now and forgive me. And so Paul's saying here, I'm, I may think I'm okay, but it's not. I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I'm not thereby acquitted. It's the Lord who judges me. And what he's saying is, listen, Apollos and myself, we're servants in this house of God. We're serving you, we're serving him, and he's our boss. We said that, didn't we, yesterday? He's our boss, and he's the one who we're going to ultimately have to answer to. But there's this interesting phrase here. I just want to zoom in on verse 5. He says, therefore, I read it wrongly. I said, I think I put an I in. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time... Before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart, then each one will receive his commendation from God. Now, we know that there is a judgment at the end of all things. There is a time when the human race will stand before its creator and he will look at us and the issues of our hearts will be all laid bare before God. There'll be nowhere to hide. We won't be able to kind of have a load of excuses because God has seen everything and knows everything. And there will be no need or point in trying to come up with excuses. But there's also, I believe, what Paul is alluding to here is another, is the time when it is actually appropriate and necessary to bring a judgment in a human context, in a human situation. 
So, for example, in the context of church, and Paul's, what we see is Paul's setting us up and setting himself up to confront an issue that's going on in the Corinthian church. And he'll do that in the next chapter. But he says that there is a time when the Lord's presence is there in, in chapter five. He talks about when you are assembled in the name of the Lord and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus. He's saying that's the time to take action and take decisive action. Now, when God's presence is there, there are times when as parents, we need to make a judgment. We need to say, no, stop it. What you're doing is wrong. That is not how we do things in this family. And there are times as church leaders, we have to use the same kind of adopt the same powers or the same take on the same role where we bring a correction or we say, no, that behavior is not acceptable in the household of God and so we have to deal with it and Paul's saying look this is this is where he gets to in chapter five he says you need to deal with this well what is dealing with it it is judgment now this is difficult because people don't like being told that something they're doing is wrong I don't like somebody confronting me and telling me what I'm doing is wrong. I don't like it. I My natural response, my natural reaction is to come up with an excuse or to say, no, you, you don't understand. And to try and kind of defend myself because I feel like this correction or judgment or whatever is an attack on me. It's kind of putting me in my place and I was just feeling good and feeling like <laughs> do you know what I mean and so there's something in us and our kids when we challenge our children's behavior they will very often come back at us with a yeah but or well you didn't see what he did and you you only saw half the <laughs> I used to get that so much from mine you weren't even here you, you can't believe what she said you know what I mean and so we want to justify ourselves and protect defend ourselves now there is a need for us to to sometimes put put our foot down in as parents and say no this is how it's going to be I'm sorry we're just going to have to get on with it and we're going to have to find a way through. And sometimes in church leadership, we have to do exactly the same thing. Let me tell you this. It is so much easier when the grace of God, when the presence of God is overshadowing that judgment. Because then he brings grace for us to live with the consequences of it. Judgment operating without any grace. Now they're not completely in contradiction I'm going to say that judgment without grace is ugly <laughs> I'm going to say that again judgment without grace is ugly now we know that God's grace is one of the main themes of the gospel but we can't have grace unless there is judgment you can think about that one at your leisure I'm sure even there might be some comments. Please do feel free to comment on this stuff. Um, I don't mind. I won't be upset. But this is a big, massive hot potato at the moment in church circles. And Jesus said in Matthew 7, he said, do not judge lest you also be judged. And the measure with which you use will also be measured against you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. So he's saying, listen, 
any judgment you issue, you must expect the same kind of thing coming back to you with a multiplication factor. So as a parent, as a leader, whenever we're making those judgment calls or a referee or whatever, we must expect to get that same level of scrutiny applied to us. In fact, it will be more so. And Paul says that actually leaders are called to a kind of higher level of accountability. So this is kind of tough. Um, And he said, uh, anyway, so then he goes on to say, but there is obviously this ultimate day of judgment, this ultimate time when God comes, when Jesus comes. He says, verse six, I've applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favour of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast of it if you did not receive it? And so Paul's actually trying to say, listen, don't get all puffed up and start judging each other and start thinking you're the big IT. But actually, because everything, including me, including Apollos, everything that we have in spiritual authority, in ministry in the church, in influence and power and all those things that people could see Paul had all of that is just what we've received it was a gift it came to us by God's grace and he's saying everything you have is by God's grace is a gift don't start getting conceited and puffing yourself up and thinking I'm in a position to judge because actually we're all in the same boat we're all servants and we've all we all we any of us have in terms of any authority in any influence is a gift from God. Oh wow! Right, verse eight. So he comes at another angle now. He says, "Already you have what you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. And would that you did reign, so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all." like men sentenced to death because we've become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We're fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We're weak, but you are strong. You are held in honour, but we in disrepute. To To the present hour we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labour working with our own hands, when reviled we bless, when persecuted we endure, when slandered we entreat, we have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. Wow, great advert for anyone wanting to be an apostle and (laughs) be on Paul's team. Just read this, that's enough to put anybody off. Don't let your mum read it before you fill in the application form. But he's saying, listen, you guys, you're doing great. Yeah, look at you. You got all everything you want. You like you live like kings. And here we are. We're just these poor apostles living like beggars and, you know, going around in scruffy clothes. And good morning, Joyce and Sandy. Um, he says, oh, you know, he's what he's doing really he's saying listen you you're the ones with all the position you're the ones with all the power you're the ones who live like kings and we're not coming at it from that perspective when we make a judgment 
listen to this, when we make a judgment, we're not making a judgment from the point of view of position and power and like a prince or a king. He goes on to say, he says, we're these broken people. We're working with our own hands. We're buffeted by all kinds of afflictions and challenges and difficulties. We're homeless. We labour, working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. He says, we've become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. Now, in our day and age, we've seen very prosperous preachers sometimes on our TV screens or on our phones, whatever. And it's hard to see the same thing going on here. It's not to say that preachers have to be like this. Don't get me wrong. You do not have to be poor and badly dressed to be a preacher. That is not a qualification. What Paul's just describing is how it is for him. And then he says this, he says, I do write these things to make you, I, sorry, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. So he's now, what he's doing, he's kind of helping them to understand that he's not coming at them from this great position, from this great height of power and luxury and wealth and, and privilege. He's coming to them and appealing to them as his beloved children, admonishing them. Admonishing means to put us in mind of the truth. It's to bring our hearts and minds into an awareness of the truth. So we may be shaped and challenged and helped by it. So admonishment is not always pleasant to receive. It's actually not always easy to give either, I can tell you. Verse 15, he says, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. This is his Point. He's saying, I'm coming to you as a father. I'm coming to you as a father to bring this admonishment. This is my qualification to say anything to you. And that is that I am your spiritual father. He says, you can have any amount of guides, but you only have a few fathers and I'm one of them. You do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel, I urge you then, be imitators of me. He's saying, come on, guys, live like I do. You've seen the way I live. I appeal to you as your spiritual father. Be, Im be an imitator of me. Watch my lifestyle. He says that, doesn't he? He says, observe my lifestyle. And he's saying again, I don't think he sold it very well, to be honest, when he describes his lifestyle, how poor he is and how difficult it is. And then he's saying, be imitators of me. I'm not sure he's going to get many takers on that front. But he's what he's trying to do is say, imitate my heart. Catch my heart, guys. Um, and... Uh, he says, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways. Now, Timothy was such a little Paul. When he turned up, he had the values of Paul, the heart of Paul, the compassion of Paul. 
and he was Paul's true spiritual son. And so when he walked into the place, it would have felt a bit like Paul was there because Timothy carried that same spirit. And so Paul thought, I can't come myself just yet. I'll send Tim. He'll bring my kind of, he'll help to rejig things a bit in the church. And he says, um, he's my faithful child in the Lord to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Important point, Paul did not have one gospel for the Corinthians and another one for the Galatians. The message was the same. His gospel was the same everywhere he went. And the way he lived was the same. He said, um, some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. And I will find out, sorry, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love in a spirit of gentleness? So he's saying, I am going to come. I will surely show up. And then we'll see what these influencers are really like. He says, I'm not interested in their talk. I'm interested in their power. And when I come, we will soon see what they're really made of. And then he sort of puts in this little kind of threat here, doesn't he? He said, what would you wish? Would you wish that I come to you with a rod, with a big stick to rebuke you or give you a whack? or with love in a spirit of gentleness. And so what Paul's hoping to do is to send this letter, which has a rebuke in it, so that when he comes, the, the, the work's been done. It's, it's already been dealt with. He doesn't have to get heavy-handed with them and spoil the tone of his visit, but that he can just come and be loving and gracious among them. And uh, so this is a really, really interesting little um, insight into the difficulties and challenges sometimes of, of senior leadership in the church where we have to make those difficult judgment calls. But what Paul's trying to do is to help people to understand that he's not doing it from any position of self-importance, but simply because he's a father and he takes this role really, really seriously. So may God bless you and smile on you. Have a fabulous day, whatever you're doing. The Lord bless you. Amen.